Coming up, I'll share the number one habit of wildly successful people. It's pretty simple, and you can use it. Then the stock market is rebounding and creating more millionaires than we've seen in a while. Let's go. Helping you win at work so that you can win in the rest of your life. I'm going to tell you something right now. If your work life sucks, I got news for you. Your life is about to suck, and it probably already does, so I'm here to help. You can't you can't separate those two. And it's time we got our heads out of our you-know-whats and figured it out. Let's go. Let's talk about highly successful people. Uh, how, how can I comment on this number one habit? I'm glad you asked me. Number one, I'm fairly successful. I don't know that I'd say I'm wildly successful. I, I, I'm pretty successful. But... If you don't like my credibility, that's fine. I have no problem with that. But I have sat with and interviewed some of the most powerful, successful people in the world. And I'm not going to drop any names because if you're new to me or you didn't know that about me, you can go do your research. I've got a who's who list of people from every walk of life, A-plus listers. And when I talk to these folks, I actually pay attention. Because I'm doing a great amount of research to formulate these interviews. I'm paying attention in the middle of these interviews and pulling things out of them. So, if nothing else, maybe that's enough credibility for you. What is the number one habit of highly successful people? Here it is. Connecting. They don't necessarily work harder than you. They don't necessarily care more than you do. They're not necessarily smarter than you. And they're not necessarily luckier than you. But let me tell you what they do that you don't do. If you aren't very successful in any walk of life, and we're talking about our work here, we're, we're, we're talking about work, okay? But this applies to your marriage, parenting, your money, everything else. If you just feel like, you know, I'm kind of average, I'm just kind of stuck, I'm going to tell you the reason that you're stuck, the reason you're not successful is you don't connect well. You aren't strategic. You aren't intentional to make connections. Now, some of you are going, oh, this is so gross. I hate networking. So do I. There is a difference between networking and connecting. Now, most of us have been at some type of networking event. If you haven't, oh, let me describe it for you. It's awful. It's like speed dating on steroids. Everybody's there for themselves, right? To me, the whole concept is a little bit whacked out. Now, some of you are going because there's always a cynic in this world. <laughs> I could say that the sun is hot and some moron out there will go, well, Ken, that's actually not true. I mean, so some of you are already going to go, well, I've made great connections and, and I've done good things at networking events. Okay, sure. Because you had to wade through all of the crap and it's unnecessary to wade through all the crap that a networking event it represents. And here's what it is. I remember the first time I went to a broadcasting a networking event when I was starting out and I'm 33 years of age, I have no contacts. I've never done anything. And so I show up and I got the obligatory Ken uh, sticker on my shirt. 
And I walk in the room, and this guy walks up to me, and he is excited that I'm alive. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's obvious. This guy is really jacked to see me. And I'm going, all right. I mean, this is great, man. This guy, I'm nervous. I'm an extrovert, and I'm nervous about the networking event. Why? Because I haven't done anything. I'm a wannabe. And this guy is jacked that I'm there. And I'm going, oh, man, this is going to be awesome. Hey, man, put her there. And we shake hands and exchange names. And, and this guy immediately asked me about me. And, I'm man, my, my spine has magically straightened. I got some juice. And I'm telling this guy my limited story. Because at this point, remember, folks, I haven't done any broadcasting. I'm a wannabe. I've done some emceeing. I've done a few leadership interviews, blah, 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 blah. But I don't have a really impressive resume. And he and he figures it out in about 20 seconds. This guy goes from really, really excited that I'm alive to he's looking over my right shoulder. And the only time he moves his eyes from my right shoulder is to move over to my left shoulder. And I'm here, and I'm doing one of these numbers. You know, I'm trying to... Wait, 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 wait. He has already, 20 seconds in, he's not interested in me. Why? Because I couldn't help him. And that's what networking events are, if you're not careful. It's just, can you help me? Can you help me? Can you help me? And that's gross. That's not true connecting. That's networking. And can it yield results? Yes. But does it yield the best results? No. And the very successful people know this. In fact, they connect like our introverted friends. Now, I'm an extrovert. And my introverted friends, they hate large gatherings. It drives them bananas. Sucks the life out of them. You talk to an introvert about going to a big party, they're like, But you put an introvert in a one-on-one setting, and they thrive. Why? They like to go deeper. They feel safer in that environment. And they're really good at the true connection. Introverts are the best at it. It's a, by the way, it is a complete cultural myth that extroverts are better connectors. That's garbage. Extroverts may be better at the networking, the whole speed dating on, you know, on, on some type of drug. But introverts go deep. So, I want you to begin to see networking now as the wrong way to go about it and connecting one-to-one as the way to become wildly successful because it's true. Sociologists call this a web of connections, developing what you call a network as a web of connections, and that's what I want to lay on you very quickly. You think about a spider web. You ever walked out in the early morning and the sunlight is shining, a little bit of dew on a spider web, and you can see all the intricacies of that spider web? It's fascinating. Did you know that dragline silk is what they call the silk that a spider spins? And dragline silk, weight for weight, is stronger than steel. Isn't that mind blowing? I'm not trying to give you interesting, weird facts today. I want you to understand what I'm getting at here. That web that the spider creates is as strong as anything on the planet. And your web of connections will be the strength of your career, of your success. The ability to do what you need to do is predicated on the strength of your web of connections. I'll never forget. I was 
a year and a half in and I was struggling mentally and emotionally because I had not made a lot of great connections. I wanted to get into broadcasting. I believed with everything that I had that I had the talent to be a national broadcaster, but no one would give me a shot. And I was sitting in my uh, in my office one day just having a little private Eeyore session. And I said, you know what? I got to take the bull by the horns. And over the next day and a half, I did an inventory of all my connections. On my phone, my computer, I got them all together, and I did an inventory, and I went through, and I began to prioritize. Does this person know somebody over here? And let me tell you what happened. In that moment, I saw one connection that I had forgotten completely about. And I realized, wait a second, there might be something here. Coming up, I'm going to tell you what happened, and it changed my life. Hey, high school seniors and parents of high school seniors, it's almost graduation time. And if you're not sure about next steps, I want you to listen to this. Coding skills are essential in today's workforce. And my friends at Bethel Tech can help you start a new career really fast and do it cheap. It only takes nine months to complete a Bethel Tech course in UI, UX design, full stack development, data science, or cybersecurity. And your young person can get over a thousand hours of experience in a collaborative environment and then get placed. The average starting salary for a junior developer is $66,000. And the field is projected to grow by 22% over the next five years. Software development is a career with an enormously bright future. And right now, Bethel Tech is offering you 10% off if you watch or listen to the Ken Coleman show and you pay cash. So go to BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman, BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman right now for details. Terms and conditions do apply. But the number one habit of wildly successful people is they know how to connect and then they make it a habit. I'm going to tell you what happened as I really begin to understand this myself in just a moment, but our show is growing and I'm grateful for that, but I need your help to help us keep growing. You are the ultimate marketing technique. And so if you're watching on YouTube and you enjoy these videos, would you like what you're watching? Give us a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel and share one of the videos if you think it'll help somebody. Then secondly, if you're listening via the podcast, give us a follow, a five-star review and share. So I'm sitting in my basement. And I'm, I'm about a year and a half into, I'm meeting with producers and TV and radio, and I'm, I'm doing some things here and there, and, and things aren't happening for me. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. I'm 34 years of age. That is really late to start in broadcasting. Uh, I, I like to joke all the time with my friends and family and people that I meet that, you know, I don't really work for a living, you know, this ain't bad. You know, I'm in this really cool freaking studio, and it's the air's controlled, and and, 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 you know, I'm not like picking up a shovel or whatever, um, you know, and I like to have some fun with that, but this is a hard gig <laughs> it, because you, you don't just show up and do this gig and you gotta, you gotta, you gotta develop content and you gotta deliver it and it takes time. And, and I will tell you the thing about broadcasting that most broadcasters, uh, don't get a chance to share much is that you gotta really embrace the suck. Yeah. <laughs> There's no training program like if you go work at a, at a corporate job and they five or six steps in the train. Let me tell you how you learn in broadcasting. You have to suck. 
<laughs> they just put you on the air and you suck. There's a reason why, you know, they take young talent and they put them on like a 300 market and you're out in, you know, red dirt Idaho, no offense to my friends in Idaho, and you're sucking, but, you know, it just is what it is. And as you get better, you move up and you get bigger audiences. So so understand that I'm, I'm 34 at this point. I got three little ones. And I'm running my own small business. It's not making a bunch of money. It's just taking care of business. And and it is like I am grinding. And I'm like, I I may have lost my ever-loving mind. I, I, something's got to happen. And what I'm doing now isn't working. Was I being intentional? Sure. But was I doing what the wildly successful people do, which is intentional connecting and don't ever stop connecting, even when they're crushing it? They are connecting. They're top of people's minds. Why? Because they're always connecting. It's a part of their rhythm. So I'm sitting in my basement. All right. Now understand, folks, I want you to get this because I want you to understand that you can apply this to your life because I didn't know many people in broadcasting. I wasn't already connected. So I had to develop this. So I'm sitting there and here's what I did. So I'm going to give you three things you got to do. First, you've got to inventory your connections, and I did that. So I sat down, and I had my Mac, and I had my phone, and I wanted to make sure that all my contacts were synced up so that I had everything possible. And I thought, are there any business cards? Do I have any emails that I got some contacts? And I literally spent about half a day creating what I felt was the exhaustive database of people that I knew. Now, that included regular life, and then I was looking at Back then, it was just Twitter and Facebook. Okay, and I was going, all right, this is my universe. Now, watch this. I started going through it, so I inventoried it first, and then I said, all right, I need to prioritize. I made a to-do list, just like you would make a to-do list around the house or wherever you I got to contact these people first. This is where I'm going to prioritize. And I started going, do they have any connection that I think made any connection to the broadcasting space at all? Anything. And I just was very liberal. I moved these people over here. And I created this. This is going to be my list. And then I went after it. But before I went after it, I was finishing up my list. And I'll never forget. And this is the power of connections that can change your life, change my life. And I never saw it until it happened. It was just like, bam. I'm looking through and I see this name, Elizabeth. And I'm not going to use her last name, but I see her name. And I, and at first I went, who is, the, who is Elizabeth? How do, oh, I remember. I met Elizabeth as a lunch favor. I had lunch with her and another one of my friends. And my friend asked me if I would do lunch with Elizabeth. Watch this, folks. Stay with me. My friend said, hey, will you have lunch with Elizabeth and I because you've got some expertise in the area of work that you've been in and she needs some advice and I think you're a person that can help her. Would you do it? And I said, you know what? Sure. Did I want to go to lunch? No. I probably, I can't remember, but I probably decided to go to lunch because it was a free lunch. I thought, well, they're asking me. They're probably going to buy my lunch. I'll go get a free lunch. And you know what? I'll be a nice person. Now watch. So I say yes. We go to lunch. I give her advice, I say goodbye, and I leave. Never going to see Elizabeth the rest of my life. 
back in my basement office. I'm looking at Elizabeth. How do I know Elizabeth? And I begin to recount the story. And I'm getting ready to move Elizabeth over to the do not contact list. And then I remembered, as we were getting to know each other, in the first five minutes of the lunch, I remember that she said, my family owns a radio station. And I went, wait, get over here, Elizabeth. Right? And I put Elizabeth over here. And as, and as fate would have it, I believe this is God's hand, but this is also some intentionality here. I'm tie this whole thing together. Because she was the last name that I put over there, she was the first person that I contacted. And I'll never forget, folks, I got goosebumps right now on my arms because this is crazy. I got nothing happening in broadcasting at all. No one's giving me a shot. I sent Elizabeth an email. And I just said, hey, love to reconnect if you've got five minutes sometime this week. Five minutes later, bing! Who do you think emailed me back? Elizabeth. Now, Joe, you know this story. Joe knows. Joe lived this story. I, I got goosebumps, Joe. Every time I tell this, I get goosebumps. So so Elizabeth says, I'm free this afternoon. Call me anytime. So I said, can I call you now? <laughs> she said, yeah. So I called her. She picked up the phone. I told her, hey, I remember in our lunch that you told me your family owned a radio station. Where was that? She says the name of it. She goes, oh, it's WDUN in Gainesville, Georgia. I go, you're kidding me. She goes, no, my brother runs the station. How, what, what, what do you need? I go, I can't get the station manager to call me back. She goes, really? Well, I'll take care of that. I'm freaking out, folks. I'll fast forward the story. Six, seven days later, I'm in her brother's office having a meeting with the owner of a radio station that I had tried to get in touch with, could not get a return call. And that's where I started radio. On a Saturday afternoon, eventually went Monday through Friday. My second guest ever was Dave Ramsey. And it all just led to where I am today. All from a connection. Now, here's the whole point. The number one habit of highly, wildly successful people is connecting. Let me tell you something. The art of connecting is the intentionality of saying, you know what? When somebody asks me if I will connect with them to help to the extent that you can, and by the way, sometimes you can't. But here's the point I'm making. It was one connection where I was where I was intentional to help a person and it came back to me years later and it ended up being the break for me. The break. So, start connecting. Connect every day. Now, let me break this down to something really practical because I think you get this, but I also know that it's intimidating. Some of you are going, man, I don't know. I'm not very good. Listen, 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 listen. If you are the shyest introvert in the world, you're a better connector than me fundamentally. Because I, I'm 100 miles an hour, big personality when I walk in the room, and I got to really lock in. I don't care who you are, what your personality type is, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, every Sunday night, I want you to think of five people, five days, five work days, every Sunday night, Write down five people that you want to connect with. And it could just be sending them an email going, hey, haven't seen you in a while. Hope you're doing well. Prayed for you. 
any connection, just get in the habit of making connections and watch your world completely open up. You were created to fill a unique role in your work. That means you were needed. But that also means you must do it. So, to that end, I have created a tool called the Get Clear Assessment, which will help you, maybe for the first time in your life, get really, really clear about your unique makeup. What are you good at? What do you enjoy doing? And what results motivate you? Let me tell you something. You figure that out, and you can see it in the work world. And let me tell you something. There's no stopping you. You'll be as successful as you want to be, that you determine that. The money and the meaning will be enough, trust me. If you use what you do best, talent, to do what work you love, passion, to produce results that matter to you, miss you. Let me tell you something. People look at you and go, you were born for this. The assessment is the Get Clear Assessment. You can get it at KenColeman.com, KenColeman.com, and uh, get it right there in the store. All right. So those of you that are new to the show, or maybe new to Ramsey Solutions, my mentor, my boss, man, Dave Ramsey said this for years, the key to investing and the key to winning is to ride the roller coaster. Don't get off. The only way you get hurt riding a roller coaster is if you try to get off the stupid thing while it's going. And so this is from the Washington Post here uh, with new data. Um, The stock market rebound, and it has been a lovely rebound, has put more workers into the 401k millionaires club. And these people are characterized by one quality. They ain't scared. <laughs> I'll, 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 uh, I'll uh, do an interpretation. They don't get spooked. They're not scared easily. They don't see a headline, and, and then they just decide to jump out and and, and ruin their financial future because they're like, oh, no, I'm losing money. My 401k shrunk today. You know what? They get it. They get the long-term play. Their eyes on the prize. These numbers are really encouraging. New data from Fidelity Investments found the number of employees with 401k balances over $1 million spiked 26% in the second quarter of this year to 378,000 Americans. That's a big deal. There were only 299,000 at the end of 2022. Now, again, did those people do something different? No. They kept investing. They stayed patient. And now they're watching the rebound. Uh, Mike Shamrell, Fidelity's Vice President for Workplace Thought Leadership, Uh, of the study said, we found that a growing number of people understand that saving for retirement is a marathon, not a sprint. Now, there's other good news. Even for the non-millionaires, average retirement account balances climbed for the third straight quarter. The average 401k balance for the second quarter increased to $112,400. That's up 4% from the previous three months. IRA and 403B balances experienced nearly 5% bumps from the first quarter to $113,800 and $102,400 respectively. Now, 
pause here. This is a very, very good sign that more people are investing and holding. Because at the same time, I could give you very bleak financial numbers to the tune of we have now more credit card debt in this country than we've ever had before. And that's not going to change, folks, until people change. <laughs> that that data will always be there as long as people use credit cards as an option, right? So those numbers keep going up, 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 up like this. But it is encouraging to see that people are investing and that people are saving. That is encouraging, especially young people. Listen to this. Uh, Gen Z workers, the number of Gen Z workers investing in 401k accounts was up 66% year over year. The number of young investors, ages 18 to 35, their individual retirement accounts rose 34.4%. So I'm a dad of, of three Gen Zers. They're, they're young, still in high school. But this is really encouraging. Because if you were to if you were to just say, all right, I can only do one thing for each new generation, if they understood the power of saving and investing, it's a game changer. You're talking about increasing the wealth of one generation exponentially over previous generations. If if you were to just see a large portion of Gen Z doing this, and I hope they do. Now, the reason I bring this up is because we, we talk a lot about work and winning in your work life, and, and that has a lot to do with money. And I'm going to tell you something. If you were to just do your own research, so instead of taking my word for it, I could give you the data. But but just, just go do your research. This is pretty easy to figure out on the Google, okay? Just get on the old Google and just look at your stock market returns over the last 75 years. 60 years, 50 years. Okay, just 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 play with it. Just look at it. And understand its relationship to things like your 401ks and investment. And just look at what it has done. And you will see that there have been blips in the market. You, you'll see uh, real-life events that can cause the stock market to tank. And it has. And you, you literally look at it, folks, and it's pretty wild. It just goes like this. And you got a little bit of this, and you got a little bit of this, you this, but it just keeps going like this. And you realize, wait a second. I can think about my emotions on any given day, or if you look at 2022, was a really crappy year for the stock market. But now you look at, where we are in 2023, half the year gone, it's been a great year. And so what happens is you've got to be knowledgeable so that you can be wise. Knowledge and wisdom go hand in hand. When I have good knowledge, good understanding, then I can have discernment. Knowledge is understanding, discernment is wisdom. That's how I'd play that out. And so you've got to be able to understand that. But here's what happens. When you look at TikTok and Instagram and pick your favorite news outlet and you look at those every day, you're going to be a mess. You're going to be an absolute emotional mess because the news headlines and the TikToks are all designed to do one thing. 
They are designed to grab your attention and hold it. And what's one of the number one tools of grabbing someone's attention? Fear. Fear. Some of you say, well, Ken, you know, fun headlines, they they grab my attention. Sure. But they must not work as much as fear headlines because these people in the media aren't idiots. Some of you want to think they are. These headline writers, they know what they're doing. They've been taught. It's a game. If my eyeballs are scrolling along and I see something that induces fear or worry, I'm going to stop. I can't tell you how many headlines I've, I've, I've demonstrated on the show before. I'll read a negative headline and then you get into the article and the actual data says, well, it might happen. <laughs> but the headline says, it's going to happen. The world is coming to an end. Well, then you get in and it goes, well, if this were to happen and this were to happen and this would happen, the world might come to an end. And so with our finances and investing, we get calls all the time on the Ramsey show. Hey, the stock market's been down. I'm really nervous about having all this cash and all this and all that and all this. Should I get out? Should I put it in a safe haven? Should I put it in a savings account? And we tell them no. Why? Because we have historical context. Historical context that if you stay, you're going to win. And here are the numbers. And more and more people are saying, you know what? I'm going to keep my money in. I've been alive long enough to know that I'm going to be okay. And I'm going to keep my money. And I'm going to lock it in. And I'm going to ride the roller coaster. And by the way, when we get done with the roller coaster ride, you know what? It's always pretty freaking fun. So hang in there. Long-term play is the strategy when it comes to saving and investing. This is The Ken Coleman Show. Thanks for listening to The Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.